0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Verse 14 tells us by one offering we were, we were perfected. Verse 1 of chapter 10 tells us sacrifices can't perfect you. So we have been perfected by the one sacrifice of Jesus, where we are now perfect.
1: Did you know you're perfect? Contrary to what your spouse might say, or maybe your sibling, yes, you are perfect if you've been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus' death makes it possible for us to live perfect lives because He covers us with His forgiveness and His righteousness. With a continuation of our message out of Hebrews chapter 10 entitled, A Trip from Heaven to Earth, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson.
0: Verse 7, then I said, this is Jesus speaking before he came, then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Everything in the Old Testament speaks of Jesus in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, verse 8, sacrifices, offerings, and burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Sacrifices and the law have been stopped because he came with the cross. He takes away the first that he would establish the second. He goes on to say in verse 10, by that will, that is the will that he came to do, the the father's will, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We are sanctified by the body of Jesus once and for all. What a contrast. You had the, the sacrifices, pause button, pause button, again, 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 1,500 years, thousands of animals every year. How many animals were sacrificed for the sins of Israel? But Jesus came and we have been sanctified. What does the word sanctified mean? Set apart. Out of all the people of humanity, when you said, Lord, come into my life, God reached down and took you and set you apart. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that go that way. And the Bible says, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there are that go that way. But you guys, you Christians, me, we were chosen by God and set aside out of all of the people on the earth. And because God gave us a chance, choose you this day whom you would serve, choose God and live. And out of all that humanity, there are some people who go, I don't want to follow God. There are some people that hate God, and they shake their fist at God. (laughs) little person among all these other people, I hate you, God. But then there's us that go, me, 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 me. "Ooh, Ooh, Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter, right? Me, take me, choose me. And God takes us and he sets us apart because of the sacrifice of Jesus that was given once and for all. It then goes on to say in verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, that is Jesus, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. He didn't have to give the sacrifice again and again and again and again because it's not about hitting the pause button, it's about taking away your sin, which is where he goes. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Verse 14 tells us by one offering, we were were perfected. Verse one of chapter 10 tells us sacrifices can't perfect you. So we have been perfected by the one sacrifice of Jesus, where we are now perfect. And then verse 15, by the Holy Spirit also, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, (laughs) which is a, Crazy way of saying it, right? Listen to it again. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, for after he had said before, he's saying that he was talking he, in the past, he wrote about what he was going to say before he said it, all right? Still sounds confusing, doesn't it? This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. And I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. He's saying, look, Under the law, we were told not to covet, but we were given no power to be able to not covet anymore. But under the new covenant, we have been given a new heart. And the laws have been written on our hearts and on our minds so that the Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us to be able to live it. Not only does the New Testament tell us how to live, but the New Testament gives us the very power that we can live that which we have been told. That's what he's saying. And so then he says in verse 17, then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That is perhaps the greatest verse in all the Bible, or one of them. I say that every week, don't I? Pick out one verse. That's the greatest verse in all the Bible. <laughs> their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. God does not remember your sin you do as you think back on your life you can just look back on failure after failure after failure and god says i don't remember them lord do you remember when i yelled at my kids no not until you brought it up now i don't know that god does that i don't know that that happens okay but i do know that we get fixated by our failures and god is not because he looks at us through jesus and where What's the contrast? The blood of bulls and goats could never remove sin, but he doesn't even remember your sin at all anymore. That's a contrast. Sacrifices couldn't take him away, but the the sacrifice offering of Jesus is so complete that he removes our sins completely from us. And then in verse 18, now where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin. Remission is forgiveness. Where there is forgiveness, there's no longer an offering needed. That's why Jesus completed it. It was one offering. It was one, it was one cross. It was one death once and for all because we have now been perfected and no longer need it. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, verse 19, that word therefore, we'd said earlier when there's a therefore, you find out what it's there for, Right? That, therefore, is significant in the book of Hebrews because we move from doctrine that we have covered in the last five verses, sacrifices, high priests, the furniture, the building, the holy, all of this has been covered, all these doctrines, all this theology, and now he makes a shift over into practicality. He says, these things are true, and because of that, this is how you should live. That's what happens in verse 19. Therefore, brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. What is the holiest? It's that little room in the back of the temple where the curtain was that was torn when Jesus died on the cross. And we have boldness to enter into that room by the blood of Jesus. Not going in boldly as in arrogance. Oh Lord, you've now forgiven my sins and here I am. But going in humbly but boldly Lord, I have access to you. Listen, you can be as close to God as you want to be. You can be as close to Jesus as you want to be. There are no limits. The only limits to how close you can be to Jesus are the limits that you put on yourself. You can be, you have boldness to enter into that holy place. They couldn't go in. There was one priest who with the blood of the lamb would have to grab this veil. 60 feet tall, 15 feet wide, six inches thick and push that veil aside. When you think of the veil in the temple, do you ever think of just like a little blowing veil in the breeze? No, man, it was a big, heavy, thick curtain. They had to shove it aside and enter in with the blood. But now by the blood of Jesus, we have access and we can go boldly into that room. When you get in front of God, when you pray, do you immediately think of your sins? I do that a lot. I'll go, Father, I just want to, I wanted to come to you and I want to pray about my granddaughter and uh, Lord, I, please forgive me of my sins. Because as soon as you get in the presence of God, there's something where you know he's holy, he's pure, he's righteous and you're not. That happened to Isaiah. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the glory of his robe filled the temple and I said, woe am I for I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips. All of a sudden his sin was realized when he entered in. But now We enter in knowing that our sins are forgiven. Look at what it continues to say about this boldness. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in the holy place by the blood of the lamb, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. A new way has been made. The old way was by a priest once a year with the blood of the lamb but a new way is through the veil, his flesh. In other words, that veil was a type of the body of Jesus. And we now enter in only through the veil, only through his flesh, that we could enter in that new and living way. If I had to go and stand before God on my own, that would be a scary thing. But I now have an advocate. The word advocate means lawyer, the Bible says, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ is our advocate. And he says, come on, Robert, I'll go with you. Okay. And I go in with my lawyer. And when my lawyer opens up his mouth, he says, dad, I'm here with Robert. And I come in that new and that living way through Jesus. And I approach him. Now it goes on to say then in verse 21, and having a high priest forever of the house of God, that is Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in a full assurance of faith. Now the beginning of that verse, verse 22, I had said there are some principles in the Bible that are so high and lofty that we have trouble getting our minds around them. That's one of those sentences. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. James says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If you wanna be close to God, you can be. You can draw near to him. But if you don't draw near to him, he won't draw near to you. I have two grandchildren, a four-year-old granddaughter, and I have a real special relationship with her. And I'm so thankful for it. Whenever she sees me, she yells, Papa, and she runs with her arms out. And she just wants to be taken up in my arms and embrace me. Last night, I was at, the, uh, at our, our Saturday night service. And I'm talking to some people before the service starts. And I hear Papa. And I look and she's running at me. And she's got her little teddy bear. And she's got her arms out, a little dress on. And she's running. And I'm like, hold on. And I reach up and I grab her and I bring her into my arms. And I put her down and she starts telling me about her world. I got a new dress, Papa, and she spins around, and I got, this this is this name, and what's your favorite princess? And she's got her little world, right? But she really wants to include me. Do you ever think, as I listen to her talking about princesses and stuff, I ever wonder if the things that we talk about God, God's going, ugh, ugh. (laughs) Okay, this is their world. I have a favorite princess now. Did you know that? I have a favorite princess. Because I have a granddaughter, I have to have a favorite princess. What's your favorite princess, Papa. I don't know, do I have to have one? Yes, you have to have one. (laughs) All right, okay? And so I said it was Belle and now I have to read Beauty and the Beast. Every time she comes over, read me Beauty and the Beast, It's your favorite princess, Papa, it's your favorite princess. Now, I want to be close to her because she wants to be close to me, at least part of that. I would wanna be close to her otherwise, but the fact that she wants to be close to me, the fact that she runs to me with her arms open really makes me wanna be with her. Now, I also have a grandson who doesn't care about princesses, praise the Lord, but he's only six months, <laughs> okay? He's six months old and his world is his mom. My daughter, Jessica, all he cares about is mom. He would sit and, ho- and stare at her all day long. In fact, that's what he does. <laughs> Just sits and stares at her. Now, they come over the other day and I take him out of her hands and I bring him into the living room. He doesn't realize I've taken him. And so I get him over and I set him down on my lap and I stand him up on my lap and I look at him and I get his attention. And immediately I can see in his eyes, you are not my mom. <laughs> and his little mouth opens up, his little teeth that are just cutting, his little hands stretch out. Wah! <laughs> and his hands are shaking and he's screaming and I pick him up again and I go back and I give him to Jessica and immediately she takes him and he stops crying. And I'm not kidding. It's like immediately. <laughs> Because now he's where he wants to be. It's not that I don't want to play with my grandson. It's not that I wouldn't want to play peekaboo or whatever it is. I'd love to go in the living room and spend an hour with him, right? Maybe two hours. But he wants to be with his mama. And I wonder if we're like that to God. God says, come unto me. And we say, God, and we run to him. Delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Or you can be, oh, God, I care about the world. All I want to do is sit and stare at my car. All I want to do is sit and stare at my boat. All I want to do is is go out and do this hobby, whatever this hobby is, and we're just self-consumed with our own world. And God says, draw near with a true heart. See, God wants us to be honest, sincerely following him, not some kind of arrogant, religious, self-super-spiritual kind of heart, but a true heart where we know who we are, We know our weaknesses, but we know that we trust in one who is great and beyond all things. That we would come close to him with a true heart and a full assurance of faith. I don't see everything the way that it's going to be, but I one day will. That's the full assurance of faith. Now we're going to get more into that because that's where he goes. Chapter 11 is the hall of faith. And he now says his practicality is because of what we have in the offering and sacrifice of Jesus, let's be men and women that live by faith. But I wanna come to the last verse we're covering today where he gives us these words and it's a good place for us to stop. He says, let us hold fast, verse 23. Well, let's go back to 22. I'm almost there. Some of you guys are like, oh, we were almost done. (laughs) Let's go back to 22. Uh, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Not only does the blood of Jesus forgive our sins, perfect us, purify us, remove our sins, God remembers them no more, but He sprinkles our consciences clean. Because even when God has forgiven us, our consciences still strike us, don't they? But as I pray, and I said this on Wednesday night, we were covering the first three of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. I don't understand it, other than it's the sprinkling clean of my conscience. But when I pray to be forgiven, when I pray sincerely, I'm not talking about religious action. I'm not talking about, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, please forgive me. I'm talking about sincerely, God, I'm sorry that I've done this. Will you forgive me? I can feel the forgiveness. I can feel my conscience being sprinkled clean. It is like a lifting of that heavy burden of sin that is weighed down on our conscience. There's something that is happening to you when you are forgiven by Him. Where guilt and shame, no wonder it says in Psalms 34, they looked upon Him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Oh, if we had to carry our conscience full of sin into the presence of God, we would be ashamed. But when we get there, our faces will be radiant, and we will not be ashamed. And now, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. This is where he goes. For them, they were going back to sacrifices. You and I are not tempted to go back to sacrifices, but it could be that you think that there's something else out in the world that you need besides Jesus. You might be saying this morning, well, I'm disillusioned with Jesus. I'm disillusioned with Christianity. I've been following him for a while and it hasn't been what I think it is. I think I need something else. Listen, if you're disillusioned, if you find yourself at a distance from God and you're saying this Christian life has not been what I've thought it should be, the answer is not to go find something else. The answer is to hold fast to your confession without wavering. The answer is more Jesus, not less Jesus. The reason that Christianity has been disillusioning for you is probably because there's not enough Jesus in it. It's probably because it's about church. It's about, you know, doing works. It's about something else and not Jesus. Jesus is a compelling person. We are drawn to him. The world is drawn to him. In a poll that they did for this program, the Bible that's on the National Geographic Channel, they did a poll and they asked people what they thought of Jesus. The vast majority of people gave a positive feedback of Jesus, the vast majority. But then when they were asked what they thought of the church, there was a negative, the vast majority of people had a negative thought about the church. And I realized there's a disconnection there. Now, granted, hey, if if our comparison is with Jesus, it's always gonna be Jesus, right? I mean, if you say, how many of you think good about Jesus? Yes! How many of you think good about the church? "Eh." You're always gonna come in second to that, right? Because Jesus is Jesus, and when you really learn of how he loved people, cared for people, the compassion on the woman, caught in the act of adultery, and so on and so forth, Jesus is compelling. Draw closer to him. It is Jesus that really matters. Hold fast to your confession without wavering. That's where we will find our victory and be whom God wants us to be. The rest of verse 23, let us hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. Galatians puts it this way. Do not grow weary in doing good for in due season you will reap If you do not grow faint, some of you guys may be fainting, weary, no longer holding fast. Come back to your first love and hold fast to Jesus. He is compelling and he is what we should live for. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, thank you for this passage that we could have a good understanding as to this trip that Jesus took from heaven to earth why it was necessary, and what the results are in our lives because we made that trip. And Lord, we pray that you would take the truths that are here, bring them into our lives, and help us to live them, help us to hold fast to our confession. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. I'd also like to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We really are. We'll dismiss you here momentarily. If you know the Lord, would you pray for those who are here who don't? And I want to give you an opportunity if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never come to the point where you've said, I want to be his disciple. See, I'm not asking you to become religious. The religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees were the enemies of Jesus. I'm asking you to become one of the disciples those that Jesus called and drew to him and used to turn the ancient world upside down. And God wants to turn your world upside down or right side up, as it were, if you would today say, Lord, I want you in my life. Now, the Bible says in John chapter one, that as many as receive him, he gives the power to be called a child of God. And if you don't wanna receive him today, you don't have to. You can be one of those masses of humanity that shakes your fist at God and that's all right. I don't know that it will be all right ultimately for you, but God's not going to force you. But if you are here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, then all you need to do is ask. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose life and live. And I'm going to ask you to do something simple. You want to choose that life? You want to respond to Jesus? He's here every bit as much as he was with Peter when he told Peter, put your nets aside and follow me. So he's saying to you, put that aside give that up and follow me and if you want to do that today i'm just going to ask you to raise your hand where you are right now lift your hand up now lift it up high you're saying i'm done living for myself and i'm ready to live for him god bless you ma'am. back over to my left anyone else just raise your hand again lift it up high god bless you in the cry room ma'am. right in front of the cry room that's great ma'am. back over here to my right that's awesome God bless you, sir. Your hand just went up by the aisle and there's three other hands that are up there. God bless you guys. That's awesome. Anyone else? I'm not gonna go on and on. So if you wanna give your life to the Lord, then respond now. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Out in the foyers? Anybody there wanna give their life to the Lord? Just raise your hand. Lift it up now. God bless you. All right. And God bless you here too. Kid, there with your hand raised. That's awesome. All right. You can put your hands down. And I would like everyone, including those who raised their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus upon the cross. So I invite you into my life And I turn from my sin that I can live for you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen.
1: We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com.